This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 21. And after many years following Abram and then Abraham, and through many sorrows and difficulties, God is going to fulfill his promise to Abraham and Sarah. And God has made many promises to Abraham. He's promised to him the land of Palestine forever for him and for his descendants. God promised that through him all nations would be blessed through him and through his seed. But that doesn't mean that because God has come and spoke to him that Abraham's life has been easy. In fact, we, we often think maybe if God would just come down and tell us what to do, just speak to us audibly, then our lives would be easier. But that's not the case. For one thing, God came and spoke audibly to Abraham several times, and that did not make his life easier. Even told him exactly what to do. Go to this land, I will give it to you. You'd think, if God told you, move to this place, and I will prosper you there. Oh, life's a snap now. Hasn't been that way for Abraham. It won't be that way for you. God doesn't speak to us audibly as he did to the people of old, but he does speak to us through his word. And it's not going to make your life easier by following it, at least not here. But God's fulfillment to the promise here, not only did he make him a promise, but it took him a long time to do it, over 25 years. And not only that, Abraham's own sinfulness often put the promises in jeopardy. But God was faithful. As uh, Matt read this morning, God is faithful. And we can count on God's faithfulness just exactly as Abraham did. So I'm going to begin reading here, Genesis chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time at which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. As the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, for he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the boy. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand. 
for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. That's an interesting story. Now, we need to examine this to see exactly what's going on here and how it might apply to our lives today as Christians. So many years after God has shown himself faithful to Abraham, this strange story of casting out Hagar and her son Ishmael. The first thing I want us to do is let this verse 1 sink into our head. So I want to read it again. Listen to this. The Lord visited Sarah as he said... And the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. I love that verse. And I love it because we've had so many verses that are awful preceding it. We've had wickedness and sinfulness over and over and over again. Throughout the book of Genesis up to this point, the people of God have rebelled against him just just in the Abraham narrative. We're not even talking about pre-flood stuff or even post-flood in Babylon. I'm talking about just in the Abraham narrative. Abraham, our hero in this text, has given away his wife twice through whom the promise and the hope of the nations come. It is not just a promise to Abraham, but he also made a promise to Sarah that she would have the son through whom all nations would be blessed. And two times through cowardice and unfaithfulness, Abraham jeopardized that promise. He gave his wife away. Then, as if that were not enough, that's really bad, they conspired, and some of us do this, they conspired to help God because he wasn't getting the job done, right? He'd been wandering around Palestine. He didn't have any uh, land inherited yet, and he didn't have a son. So he said, well, look, let's just take Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. We'll give her to you as a second wife, and she will have a baby for you. That was a bad idea, as we're going to see today. And so that happened. And Hagar was unkind to Sarah when she conceived. Remember, she was mean and treated her, uh, despised her. And Sarah goes yelling at Abraham, Hey, this woman I gave you, she's being mean to me. And he's like, well, you deal with it. So she goes and treats Hagar horribly. And she runs off in the wilderness. It's terrible. That's not to mention the horrors of Sodom and Gomorrah, the terror we saw there, the Horror of God having to destroy that place because of the sinfulness there. And then just in the last chapter, Lot with his daughters. So we've got chapter after chapter, verse after verse of the faithlessness and wickedness of people. And then when finally after 25 years or more, God fulfills his promise in one verse. God did as he said. God did as he promised. (laughs) What were they so worried about? Did they not think he was going to do it? Boy, aren't they dumb. It's a good thing that we always keep the promises of God before us and never doubt and don't do dumb things because we don't doubt him. Abraham here, it says, he names his son Isaac. And as I've told you before, I want you to remember this forever, the rest of your life until you die. Isaac's name means laughter. He laughs. Isaac is named thus because God told him to name God told Abraham, when the boy's born, you're going to name him Isaac. You're going to name him laughter. Why? Because when God said, Abraham, when Abraham was like 90-something, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And what did Abraham do? He laughed. 
he laughed and he fell down on his face before the Lord and he said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He didn't believe that God could do the thing which he said he would do. And God said, I will do it and you will name him laughter. And then later the men come and visit Abraham by the oaks of Mamre and Sarah's kind of eavesdropping by the door of the tent and the men say, hey, we're going to come back this time next year and Sarah's going to have a baby. She laughs because she's 90 years old. <laughs> she says, oh, Really? I'm all dried up. Abraham's old and withered. This thing ain't happening. We're going to have this pleasure? And then the guy says, why'd Sarah laugh when I said she was going to have a baby? She said, I didn't laugh. He said, you did laugh. You're going to laugh again. Today she's laughing in this text. They have a baby and they name him laughter. And this word laughter becomes like a, a theme of this chapter. She says, look. God has given me laughter. He's given me joy. And everyone who hears of this will laugh with me. Who would have said that Sarah would nurse children for Abraham at such an old age? Why did they laugh? They laughed because they thought the promise could never come to pass. They thought that what God said he was going to do, he couldn't do. They laughed because it seemed too good to be true. You're going to have a son. You're nine years old. You're going to have him. They laughed because it was their dream. But God did it for them. And one thing we need to think about this morning from this passage is this just so simple. Just like that. Verse 21. Boom. Sarah had the son. And you've been made a lot of promises too, haven't you? Haven't you? And I wonder if in the drag of everyday life that we like Abraham and Sarah, lose sight of the big picture of the things God had promised, and we sort of get lost in the fog of everyday life and forget the promises of God which is given to us. We are Abraham and Sarah's heirs. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah by promise. We have the same promises that were given to Abraham and Sarah. And I know that we forget these promises or we wouldn't have to keep coming back here every week to hear God's words preached. If we could remember everything and we weren't prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, then we wouldn't need these sermons. But God knew we would need it, and so today he's going to remind us once again that as he was faithful to Abraham and Sarah and that it was no big deal for him, it's also not a big deal for him to be faithful to you. And what has God promised you in his word that maybe we forget or don't believe? Well, God said in his word, that his own word doesn't return to him void. So I know that this morning I'm not preaching in vain. Now look, every Sunday I preach to myself. <laughs> That's why I'm so good and mean at it. I need good preaching. <laughs> I preach to myself and I preach to you. As I study throughout the week, I am being preached to by God's word. And sometimes I don't change like I want. And if I'm being totally honest, you also don't change uh, like like maybe uh, some of the other elders want, or me even. You preach and you say, my goodness, what are people doing? We can't get anybody to sign up for nursery. Everybody's tired of working with kids. Everybody's frazzled. People are running around. Well, people are gone on Sunday morning. Why aren't they here? You need to go back and see. God says, my word won't return to me void. And that's not just a promise for me as a pastor. It's a promise for you as Abraham and Sarah's inheritors. That when you speak the truth of God's word in love to others, that also he will use that. And wouldn't you love it one day? That all these years of toil, and all these years of laboring to, 
to try to be a Christian and to please the Lord, to work because He loved you first, then when you get to heaven, there's one sentence written, and it says, And the Lord blessed the preaching of His word, just as He promised Brad that He would. <laughs> one day I'm going to laugh because I'll see what the Lord has done. And so will you. All this time we worry, we fret, and we sin because we don't believe. But one day he will put joy and laughter in our heart because we will find that in every place he's promised, he's been faithful to us. Do you believe it? Do you forget it? Hang in there. Abraham was 100 years old. 100 years old before he had the son of promise. Now, none of us here are even pushing that. So you've got a ways to go, 100 years old. He died never receiving the land that was given to him. Not yet. But one day God will be faithful to what he has said. And that's just the beginning. That's just one promise I thought of. Is the, God's word won't return to him void. You can use it and, and God will bless it. And he will bless you and enrich your life and the life of others because of what you've done. But Jesus made this promise. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What's that promise from John 15, 9 through 11? Joy. Abide in Him. He will give you joy. You can think of promise after promise that God has made to you that you might feel is unfulfilled in your life but if you will be faithful God will do what he said he would but then there's this Hagar stuff in the end of this chapter what's that all about so they have a party Isaac's been circumcised he's being weaned and by the way they weaned people later in those cultures we do now we, we get them to be about one years old one years old? one year old we get them to be about one year old, they start growing teeth. Mama don't want to nurse him anymore. You don't know why? Ask somebody. But they used to, they used to wean him at like four, five, these big kids, old enough to ask. Yes, they did that. So when they weaned them, they had a big party. So that means that Ishmael at this time, it says here child. Your verse may say child, it says boy also. But in the Hebrew word for boy can mean teenager. This boy, Ishmael, is 14 to 16 years old. And when it says that Sarah saw him laughing, the word here for laughter that they're using uh, for Abraham, for Sarah, in certain contexts doesn't mean just laughing. It means mocking. That Ishmael was making fun of Isaac. And Sarah saw it and said, oh, no. No. And so she goes in and she knows Abraham loves this boy. This is clear from this passage. She goes in and she says, you get rid of that slave woman. You get rid of his son because he ain't going to be heir with my son, Isaac. And you think, that's pretty harsh. And then God comes in and says, she's right. He got to go. I'm going to make a great nation of him. I'm going to bless him. But it's going to be beside what I'm doing for Isaac. Why did this happen? It seems cruel. The Apostle Paul helps us with this in Galatians chapter 4. He says this. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. The son of the free woman through promise. 
Listen to this from Paul. Rejoice, O barren, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud. You who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate will be more than those who, from the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Let me help you with this. Paul says this is allegorically speaking. You have Ishmael, you have Isaac. Ishmael representing for us this morning... Your dreams, your hopes, your plans that you do in the power of your flesh. And Isaac has to do with the things God has promised and the things that God is going to do for you in your life. And these two things will not go together. And God says, Isaac is the one through whom the promise will be claimed. And all this stuff you thought that you were going to do in your life, all your plans, all your big plans, some of them might be according to God's will, but some of them aren't. And they're going to have to be gone, blown away like chaff in the wind. Chaff is when they... Get the wheat in and it had the kernel on it and they had to toss it up in there and the part that was no good would blow off in the wind and the seed would fall down. Listen, you and I got things that we think God wants us to do and we try to do it in the power of our flesh and guess what God will do? He said, you can't have Isaac and Ishmael at the same time. One of them has to go. And if you've lived long enough, you've found that some of the dreams, some of the things that you wanted to do haven't happened. And some of the things that you never imagined in your life will. See, here's the thing. Our dreams, <laughs> I'm sorry to break your heart. Our dreams and our plans are not big enough for God. They thought getting with Hagar and having Ishmael was a fine resolution of the plan, but it is not near as awesome and as good as a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man having a baby together. That's God. The other is just us and normal stuff we can do. Now, God has made to us promises. God has said to us things. God is putting us on a path in our life that we would not have chosen and we would not believe we could have done had we did this in our own power, in our own thought, in our own wisdom. We must follow Him in what we do. And then the world will see that God is active in our lives and doing things through us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we could not possibly do on our own. This is what Paul is talking about. In Galatians chapter 4, Ishmael mocked Isaac because he was the firstborn, he thought. He ought to be the heir, but Isaac was the heir and the one through whom people would be blessed. And when the apostle Paul says, now brothers and sisters, now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. And when he says here, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those than the one who has a husband. What kind of promise is this? What is he talking about? Why is he quoting from this poem from the Old Testament? I'll tell you why. Because it sounds a lot like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice the one who's barren. You'll have more than those who have now. Rejoice, you who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God belongs to you. You are poor, you will be rich. Blessed are those who mourn now, for they shall be comforted. These are the promises of God. Here's a good one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God belongs to the humble to those who suffer for the sake of Christ. And they, like Sarah, may feel barren and abandoned. 
But one day, when God shows how they have multiplied through their faithfulness, through their teaching of God's Word, through their reading of God's Word, through their changing itself, through the effects they have on so many lives that they touch, they will break out in joy and they will rejoice for they will see that God has made them fruitful indeed. This is the promise that God gives to each one of us as children of the promise. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah. So sometimes in life you'll feel like I am unfulfilled. Things that I want to do haven't materialized as I thought they might. I wanted to do this thing. I feel like I've gotten in a dead end. We find this in every aspect of our life, in our jobs. We didn't, this is not what we dreamed about when we were 12. I wanted to be an astronaut. Didn't turn out like that. I thought I was going to be an archaeologist and dig up dinosaur bones, someplace awesome. I was going to be Indiana Jones, man. I'm going to get little golden statues out of temples and run away from rolling rocks. Anybody 35 and above gets that reference? Anybody 35 and under may not. You know, this is the kind of dreams we have when we're children. Then you grow up. It doesn't seem to turn out like that. You wind up working at a desk or in a job or on the line or whatever you're doing. You think, this is not what I dreamed of as a child. And yet steady, plodding faithfulness will reap a reward beyond our imagination. So do not despair. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the sons and daughters of promise. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One day Jesus returns with his reward. And every promise that he's made, he will bring to pass. One of those promises is that one day you'll be without sin. It doesn't seem possible. But one day you will. You will shine like the sons and daughters of God you were made to be. And that day is coming. Never release that hope. You and I, like Abraham and Sarah, have been given great promises. In fact, we have promises that Abraham and Sarah didn't even know about. Promise upon promise God gives to us through his word. And you and I, like Abraham and Sarah and every single other child of the living God, are going to have trouble in this life. You will have trouble. But God, through Christ, leaves us his peace. Where we are in trouble, there he is with us and will be till the end of the age. But we're going to have trouble and we're going to walk down many difficult roads. We're going to sin. We're going to sin in such a way it might even seem like Abraham's sin. It endangers the promises that God has given to us through the sin we get into. Broken hearts, broken homes. We will do all of these things. And yet God will salvage us from our own self-destruction. So that we need to know this. Because in the deepest, darkest night that we bring upon ourselves, we need to know God is still faithful. He is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When God wanted to change the world, he sent a baby. He did this more than once. He sent one through Abraham and Sarah. He sent one through Mary. He's still sending them. 
his preachers, his prophets, his teachers, his people. And they come to point to a greater hope. And of course, the son of Mary is the greatest hope of all. He who grew up as the heir of Abraham, the son of David, who took our sin so that we would be sinful no longer, who died the death we deserve and rose on the third day, that if we would trust him and believe in him, we will not perish, there's a promise, but have everlasting life. Life that doesn't just begin in heaven, but that begins right now. And that the kingdom of heaven should dwell inside of you. This is what God has promised to his children. And one day he's promised, you and I are going to have some very fancy clothes. <laughs> Robes of righteousness. Clothed with righteousness. And we're going to wear these fancy robes. And we're going to sit at a table. And guess who will be there? Abraham and Sarah. And they'll say, welcome, son. Welcome, daughter. Make joy. Be joyful with us. For the day of the wedding feast of the Lamb, our son, our brother, has come. And you'll be there in your fancy clothes, looking like the Son of God himself. So wherever you are, whatever is going on in your life, remember, that's what we're living for. We might take many winding roads to get there, but that is where we're headed. And that is what we should be focused on. And everything else, we need to lay it aside. I'll close with this. You remember Hebrews? The writer of Hebrews says we're running a race. And what does he say? If you want to run the race, you've got to compete according to the rules. But he also says, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. And then he says this, listen... Run the race with endurance. Hold on. Hang in. Endurance means keep running when you're tired, when you want to give up, and when you think it's over. Keep running. For God has laid up for us a crown of righteousness for every single victor who wins the race. And how do we win? By grace, through faith in Christ. Stay the course. One day you will get to heaven. Get one sentence. And God did to you all that he said he would. And God did to you all that he has promised. And you will say, God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you will be with us. Lord, we need to be reminded once again, that you are faithful, that you are good, you are better than us, you are better than our worst sin. Your grace is greater than our sin. Lord, for those of us who struggle today in a dark place, perhaps of our own making, perhaps not, we pray that we will see the light of Christ from there and that we will reach out and you will save us like Peter sinking in the storm. 